Welcome back to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast ministry of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we have the final message in a mini-series from John chapter 8. This is the third and final message from this chapter, discovering what Jesus said on several key topics. Here's Pastor Roy from Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Um, as you know, we're speaking out of John chapter 8. This is our third message in John chapter 8, what Jesus said about. Uh, we talked about four things. I've entitled the whole series, Whom Do You Believe? Some of you said you changed the title. If you listen really close, we started off with the, the title, Who Do You Believe? But then I had an, an English person correct my grammar. It's Whom Do You Believe? And uh, I keep learning new definitions of humility, you know, from these corrections. And I have to share with you, I was visiting in a nursing home just a few weeks ago. And when I was in there, this lady that was 100 years old corrected a part of my grammar. And I was like, this is a new definition of humility, to be corrected by a 100-year-old woman. (laughs) Uh, I I, I still think about that, and God has a sense of humor. Uh, But whom do you believe and what Jesus said about, and we talked about the first two things uh, that concerned, and I don't have these on the PowerPoint, uh, the first two, we talked about them uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about judging, uh, that God does not want us to judge, and we looked at the woman caught in adultery, and how judgment belongs to God. And that we are to look at others through the eyes of a doctor, not the eyes of a a judge. Secondly, we looked at God's message, Jesus' message concerning light. The fact that Jesus is, in fact, the light of the world. And we talked about the benefits of light. The fact that light provides guidance for us. It guides our path. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, the Word of God. Jesus is the light of the world. That's what we need. For a world of darkness. Light also provides enlightened discernment. We have greater level of discernment because the Bible says the entrance of God's word brings light into our life. And when that light comes into our life, we have an enhanced, enlightened judgment, discernment uh, in our lives. It also provides security for us. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? What shall we be afraid of? God's light in our life gives us that security that we need. Light also gives testimony to what is true. The word of God is true. The light of the gospel is true. And light gives testimony to that. Light also characterizes followers of Christ. If you and I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, our life should radiate the light of Jesus Christ to a lost world. We should be a beacon of hope to those who are yet in darkness. Radiating Christ. Remember when Moses came off the mountain, his face radiated God, and so should ours. Well, today we want to look at the last two concerns that Jesus talks about in this passage. And the third one is, the third concern is what Jesus said about truth. What he said about truth. Let's look down in verse 31 of John chapter 8. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, 
You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. Boy, what a short memory they had. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus tells them they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. Here's what the truth does in our life. The truth will direct my life. If I open myself up to the truth, it will give me the direction that my life needs. It will give me the purpose that my life needs. When I begin to follow the truth, when he says you will know the truth, he is talking about knowing the truth not in my head, but in my heart where I experience the teachings of Jesus in how I live and how I behave, how I think, how I act, how I move, how I carry out my life. I am experiencing truth in my life. You see, there's a difference between coming to church and hearing truth and living at 1966 Maple Drive where I live and living out the truth that I hear. Or when I go to my work and I live out the truth, how I conduct business will be based on truth. How I relate to other people, I don't manipulate them, I don't lie to them. I deal with truth. Why? Because my life has been delivered by the truth and I can live in freedom of the truth. It's a wonderful place to be. The truth will direct our lives. It will control us. It will manage us. It will give us what we need in our lives. My mind as well as my body. Did you hear that? Not just my mind. My body as well is controlled by the truth. You see, people who aren't controlled by the truth, their body might be controlled by their hormones or something else. So only the truth will set us free, and that's what we have to live by. Let me give us a couple things here, too, about the truth. Living by the truth is proof that I am a follower of Jesus. You cannot say, I cannot say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ if I am not living by the truth. I'm deceived. I have to live by the truth. I have to do what it says. And it may not be popular. There are some things that are very difficult. And you have heard me share before that in counseling situations with people, I have had to share with people the truth. And it can be very confrontational. And it may be the very thing, the last thing they want to hear and the last thing I want to say. But yet I say it, why? Because the Bible encourages us to speak the truth in love because that's what will set them free from their sin or their bondage and set them free. 
And so it's a wonderful thing. Living by the truth is proof that I'm a follower of Jesus. Secondly, loving the truth is proof that I'm a follower of Jesus. We have to love the truth. The psalmist tells us back in Psalm 119, listen to this verse in 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. As a follower of God, we love his law. Psalm 119, verse 47, he says, I delight in your commands because I love them. You not only live the truth, you love the truth. Because it sets you free. There's release in that. There's joy in that. It gets me that Christians don't have joy in their life. If we are living by the truth and we are free, the expression of joy should be an outbreak of that truth and reality. Some people don't want to come to Christ because you, they look joyless. Who wants that? They already have that. But to come to the truth and experience it and love the truth. See, loving the truth is more than just church attendance. It's more than just filling a seat. Loving the truth means I want to see others come to a saving knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. That's why so many people are involved in Super Summer Jam. You want to live the truth, you want to love the truth, and you want to see other people come to live and love the truth. And that's what we're here all about. And if it's not, we might as well close the doors. Because that's why we're here, to do that. So attending Sunday school or attending youth group, if you're just attending youth group to fill a seat and you are not living the truth and loving the truth, you are a hypocrite. (laughs) And you need to come to Christ if you haven't already. Or you're an unbeliever. It tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10, they perish, talking about unbelievers, because they refused to love the truth and be saved. So loving the truth is essential. Next, the truth will release me from bondage. What a wonderful thought. There are so many people in our world who are bound by something. And I'm going to share some of these somethings with us of what they are. First, let me read a passage to you. I didn't get all these passages put up like I normally do because it was a a busy week. But listen to these uh, verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's where the freedom comes in. Notice he says, We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we we have divine power to demolish strongholds. What is a stronghold? I want to talk about that. A stronghold is... A fortress, a fortification, and metaphorically, it moves into the area of attitudes, philosophies, thinking that opposes the knowledge and truth of God. 
Whenever we allow something to captivate us and hold us in bondage that is opposed to the knowledge and truth of God, we are enslaved to that. You know, there are some people who won't serve in the church because they're enslaved to bondage. They're afraid to serve. Or they're afraid to even interact with other people, and as soon as the service is over, they disappear. And they come to church late because they don't want to interact with somebody because there's something in their life that is holding them in bondage. And my friend, God wants to set you free from that. So you experience the love and the fellowship and the family of God and the joy of God by living by the truth. I'm inviting you to come out of that bondage today and break that stronghold of Satan in your life. Or maybe there's some other area that Satan is holding you to that opposes the knowledge and the truth of God. He says we will know the truth, and what will the truth do? It will set us free. And what did Jesus come to do? Listen, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, the truth. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to break the strongholds in people's lives. That's the reason Jesus was sent. And that's why he shares the truth. And that's why we never apologize for sharing the truth with people. Because it's the only thing that will set them free. It's the only thing that will deliver them from their bondage. Bondage from ignorance. There are some people who are bound in their sin because of their ignorance. I shared with you about a man that I spoke with a number of months ago who told me, I've never read the Bible. Well, hence, ignorance. He's in bondage because of his ignorance. Until he comes to the light of the truth and hears the gospel. But you know what people do? They get afraid because what does the light do? When we come to the light, it exposes our sin. (laughs) We studied about that back in John chapter 3. This is the verdict that light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so they run from the light. Kind of like little bugs when you take a board that's been laying somewhere for about six months and you move that board off the ground and you see all those bugs just scatter because they run from the light (laughs) they're used to the darkness and so when we begin to share people have you noticed how people who are living in darkness squirm when you mention the bible (laughs) you can talk about politics and you can talk about religion and and they can argue with you about all that but when you start talking about personal sin (laughs) and personal accountability and responsibility they begin to squirm in their seat Because it exposes the ugliness that we don't want to see in all of us. And honestly, if we're all honest, is it not true that sometimes when I open the scriptures, there's things I don't want to see in my own life? If we're honest, it's true. But God brings us to the light, and and, and it's encouraging because he teaches us, and we grow through that process as we do that. You see, the truth of the matter is, the devil is looking for an opportunity to put people in bondage. Let me give you another verse in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. 
Let me just share it with you. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, if it wasn't possible for the devil to get a foothold in our lives, then Paul would have not said that. So this is telling us that there is a possibility that the devil can get a foothold in my life and in your life as believers because he wrote to the church. And God help us to be aware of the strategies of Satan to do that. What is a foothold? I think we need to understand what foothold is. Foothold comes from the word tapas, which designates a place of jurisdiction. What is Satan doing? He is trying to find one little space, one little opportunity, one little crack in our armor to find a place to set up his authority in our life, his power in our life. So if I live in disobedience to God, I don't walk in light, I don't walk in truth, and I listen to the lies of the enemy, I put myself in place of allowing the enemy to have a foothold in my life and captivates me and conquers me so that I am rendered ineffective for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think there are any believers that Satan has a foothold in their life? That maybe there's a bitterness in their life that they've allowed to creep in because somebody hurt them and now they're bitter for the rest of their life and they go to their grave bitter and they never experience the joy of God and the freedom of the truth because they lived their life in bitterness. A foothold of the enemy. Or unforgiveness. I will not forgive that person. I remember hearing a lady one time, she said, I will not forgive that person. I will rot in hell, she said, before I will forgive that individual for what they did to me. And you know what? She probably will. Because forgiveness is absolutely essential for a believer. If we've been forgiven, that we forgive. And the enemy is looking for a place of jurisdiction, a place to set up residence in our life, to build. And you know what? He's not happy then with just a little bit. He only wants a little at the beginning. He's all about expansion. He's all about taking more territory and more room in our lives. Because ultimately, what does he want to do? When we get to John chapter 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. That's his ultimate goal. So if you don't think Satan is out to not just destroy you, he's out to destroy me and every leader in this church, and he is out to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. You don't think he opposed what we did this week? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. If you didn't sense resistance, opposition, yes, he opposes everything we do. He wants to have jurisdiction in our lives, a little place, a little opportunity to gain control over our lives. Some of us are still in bondage from our past. You know, there are things that this enemy can bring back again and again and again and again, and we relive that old past. And that's why Paul said, I am forgetting the past, I am forgetting what has happened, and I'm pressing on toward the mark, to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't live life living in the rearview mirror. <laughs> Don't look at your past failures. Don't look at your past sin. God has delivered you from that guilt and condemnation, and the truth has set you free if you have been 
Ask God to forgive you and you've repented of your sin. It is under the blood. There's no more guilt. There's no more condemnation. You are free in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful place to be. God has delivered us as a result of that. We do not have to be bound by the past, a failure, a humiliation, a shameful thing that I was involved in. The blood of Jesus Christ wipes the slate clean if I confess it to God. I am a pure child of God in his eyes. Is there anything more wonderful than that? Is that why we preach the gospel? Because we want other people to experience the purity that comes from the blood of Christ. Why should we be ashamed of that? Give that message out. We shouldn't. But it can be a source of bondage. The guilt can paralyze people, absolutely paralyze them to where they feel worthless and that God can't use me and I can't do anything. My friend, God wants to use you more than you want to be used. (laughs) And you have more to offer him because he makes beauty out of ashes. (laughs) He does. And he builds trophies of grace because of the truth. It sets us free. There's also bondage from our sin. Sin is binding. It kills. It destroys. And whenever you and I freely choose to disobey God, we are freely, listen, when we disobey God, we are freely choosing to place ourselves in a position of bondage. Bondage that will constrict me and squeeze the life out of me that God wants me to have. If I have Christ in my life, I have the Holy Spirit in me, but I also have the ability to quench and stifle the Spirit of God by my disobedience. If the Bible says we can do it, God can empower us to do it. Don't live in bondage to sin. You see, here's how it works. Let me pull out my keys for a second here. Many of you know I drive a nice red pickup truck. Here's the key to it. I'm the owner. Well, sort of. The bank still owns it. I'm making payments. I will be the owner, hopefully. Um, But I can give this key to one of you. Can I not give it to Jeremy and say, Jeremy, here, borrow my truck. What am I doing? I'm giving him authority to take my truck and drive it anywhere he wants, and do whatever he wants with it. By me relinquishing my key, I'm not relinquishing ownership of my truck. But I am giving him authority and the opportunity to use my truck. Now, let's put that in the spiritual realm. If I give Satan, the devil, the key to my heart, my life, through some sin, some disobedience, I'm still the owner... But what am I doing? I'm giving Satan authority and power to operate in my life, even though I'm the owner, it says on my life. I'm the owner, but I'm giving him authority. My friend, don't do that. Don't give him authority over your life. Place ourselves under the truth and walk and live in the truth that God has given us. We belong to Christ. 
We give him the key. We allow him to control us and guide us in our lives. The truth also allows me to be placed in God's family. There are some lonely people in our world. They're looking for a family. And the truth allows me to be placed in a family, the family of God. Notice what it says here in our text. Again, verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave. They're in bondage to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. In the family of God. Because of the truth. that sets us free. We're free from guilt. We're free from condemnation. We're free from God's judgment for that sin. The last thing I want to talk about here is lies. Lies. This is the fourth concern that Jesus addresses down in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Powerful words that Jesus speaks to these Jews. So I want to take a moment just real quick and just really kind of based on this text here is the characteristics of the devil. Number one, he murders people. It says he is a murderer from the beginning. And we don't have time to expound on it, but we went back into Genesis. And we see how Cain slew his brother Abel, and he was jealous because of the gift that his brother brought versus what he brought. And he felt shame. His face was downcast. He became bitter, and he welled up with that bitterness into anger and hatred, and he slew his brother. Did he give the devil a foothold, by the way? Yes, he did. Because what did God say? If you do right, everything will go well with you. But if you do wrong, he says, sin is crouching at your door because you're getting in a foothold in your life. He murders people. That's what he does. We can see in the news, Satan's in control of those people who kill. Breaking God's law, thou shalt not kill. Secondly, he is the originator of all deceit. All deceit. Satan is the originator of all deceit. It says he is a liar and he is the father of lies. And so we need to understand that. And in Colossians 2.8 it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Philosophy that is deceptive comes from the enemy. There are professors at universities that sway the minds of young people through deceit. 
pushing evolution and all this stuff that is contrary to the knowledge and truth of God. He is the originator of all deceit. And he's very subtle with it in how he brings it to us. Did God really say, don't eat every tree <laughs> from every tree? Did he say, you know, any, any questions? The word of God and that. He continually lies to people. Genesis chapter 3, did God really say? Uh, he continually lies to people. He fabricates stories to cover the truth. That's what he does. Well, I'm going to move on here. Characteristics of an unbeliever. The devil is the father of all unbelievers. Now, that's hard for us to comprehend, but let's just go back to our text and see. What's he say in verse 44? You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. The devil is the father of all unbelievers. And because they are embracing a lie, they're living in darkness and many guilt and bondage and all kinds of stuff. I don't know how people even function, and many of them don't, because the devil is the father of them. He has jurisdiction over their lives until they come to the truth. And that's why we need lost people to come and hear the truth and preach the truth to them that they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. If you are here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today is a day of salvation for you. I trust that the Spirit of God convicts you of your sin and brings you to the light of truth where you can experience freedom in Jesus Christ and no other way. You'll be delivered and changed and have a new life in Christ. Secondly, the devil prompts unbelievers to sin. He does. He says, you do that. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding for the truth. There is no truth in him. He's the father of lies. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is you do not belong to God. And he prompts unbelievers to sin. So what do unbelievers do? Unbelievers lie. They don't have any room for God's word in their life. Where does it say that? Well, look back in verse 37. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. So that brings to mind a pretty important question for believers. Do you have room for the word of God in your daily life? Because the lies don't just come on Sunday. They come on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And for young people, late on Friday night and Saturday night, the lies come. Because where do they find themselves? In a place that they think is going to bring them happiness and joy, only to bring them more bondage and depression. It's a lie from the pit of hell. An unbeliever does not have room for God's word. And that's why they don't come to church. Many of them. 
We need to have room. When do you make room for God's word in your life? Where do you make room for God's word in your life? Fourthly, an unbeliever suppresses the truth by his wickedness. The Bible tells us this in actually Romans chapter 1. Let me read it for you. In verse 18, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. In other words, they are holding down the truth by their wicked behavior. They keep stiff-arming God, His Word. And if you have been stiff-arming God, would you please put your arms down and let God get to your heart and come to Him and give Him your life. Don't stiff-arm the Lord. By suppressing the truth... We rationalize our behavior, and we soothe our guilty conscience. This is the only way an unbeliever can enjoy his sin. Let me give you one more. An unbeliever does not have the capacity in himself to understand God's word. We do not have the capacity in ourselves to sit and study this like a history book or some other book. It's a unique book. It's a supernatural book, and it takes a supernatural God to illuminate a darkened heart and bring the truth of God to bear on their sin so they can understand and comprehend they need Jesus Christ. There is no other way we will understand it. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And that's why you'll see people mock and laugh at the word of God because they are absolutely darkened to truth. And they're embracing a lie from the enemy. Foolishness to him, he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what's another lie that the enemy tells us? My self-worth is based on my performance plus other people's opinion of me. That's where people get their self-worth. My performance plus your opinion equals my value. Nonsense. That's nonsense. My self-worth equals what God says about me plus nothing. That's it. My self-worth equals what God says about me plus nothing. (laughs) And what God tells me who I am. I'm adopted as a child of God, into the family of God. I've been forgiven. I've received his grace. (laughs) I have his righteousness. I have his spirit within me. My value and worth. I'm a cherished, chosen child of God. And so are you. If you've embraced Jesus Christ. He says in Isaiah 64, 8, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. God fashioned us like a piece of pottery to make us exactly the kind of vessel we need to be. And therefore, every one of us who are believers in Jesus Christ have gifts and abilities to use in the church. Some are behind the scenes. 
Some are in the front. Some are other gifts with their hands. Some are with their mind. But use it for the glory of God. And use it in the capacity with which God has given you. That's the greatest thing we can do. We will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And while you do, I have a question. What about the truth? Are you willing to believe the truth first? And secondly, if you believe it, are you willing to live by it? That's the key. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to live by everything I read as soon as I read it, but I should be in process. We're all in process. There are still things I've got to learn and grow and develop in my own life. It's a lifelong process. So it's not that I hear it one time and I've got it down because that's not the way it works in my life. (laughs) I've been a believer a long time and I still feel in many ways like a baby Christian. Many ways. I feel like an infant when it comes to the Word of God. So there's many things we have to learn. But it's a saying, you know what, where's the starting point? Is there a starting point in my life where I say, you know what, I, first of all, I recognize I'm a sinner before a holy God. I have violated, I have broken his law. And therefore, by breaking his law, I am guilty of his judgment. The Bible says I'm condemned already. I'm guilty of God's judgment. And if you understand you're a sinner and you've experienced the guilt and condemnation that come from that, that's exactly what you should experience But the next thing God wants you to experience is his forgiveness and grace and freedom from sin. But the only way we can experience that is say, God, I'm a sinner. And I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross and pay the penalty for my sin in full. That I can be forgiven. The foothold and the bondage can be released. Or maybe you're a believer here and you have given the devil a foothold in your life. You're living in fear. You're living in bondage to guilt or your past or some sin. My friend, today is the day of deliverance for you. Today is the day where God can set you free if you will embrace the truth in your life. Not just in your head, in your heart. Where you experience, you will know the truth. When you experience the truth, you'll be set free. That's what he's telling us. As I just wait for a moment, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I invite you, right where you're standing, to invite him into your life today. For those of us who are believers, God help us live by the truth. And if we've given the devil a foothold, say, today I'm asking Satan, you get out of my life in this area. I am reclaiming this, I'm taking back the keys that I handed over to you too long ago, and I'm giving those keys to Christ, who's the rightful owner of my life. Would you do that today? God help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the simplicity, but yet the power of the gospel. 
Lord, I thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Lord, I pray if there's one here today who is yet in the grip of Satan, I pray that they would realize that they cannot free themselves. It's impossible, but that you can free them. And that you have made access through the cross, through your death, burial and resurrection, that you're at the right hand of the Father to forgive them of all their sin if they will confess it to you. None of us deserve to be forgiven, but it's because of your grace and your mercy that you forgive. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here today who has been in bondage to the lies of the enemy and has given the devil a foothold in their lives, I pray that today they would be set free and they would take back that place of jurisdiction and place it back in the authority of God and the reality of truth in their lives. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who needs to to seek counsel and prayer, that this will not be another day they walk out the doors of the church defeated. But they will have the courage to say, you know what, I want you to pray with me. I want you to, I've got a question. I need someone to help me understand this. I want to get victory over this in my life today before I leave this building. I pray that would be true for someone today. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you have any questions or want to know more about our church, please go to our website at www.bchweb.org or find us on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.